Well, hey, welcome to Venture Church, man. I'm so glad that you're here today. Hey, look, if it is your first time worshiping with us or maybe just your first time hanging out in a little while, know that you picked a great series to jump into. So we've been in this series called Under Pressure for the past couple of weeks, talking about the different pressure points that we face that we experience in life. And so we've talked about like the, the internal pressure that we face a lot of times through things like shame. Uh, we talked about the external pressure, like through, through peer pressure, and just the idea of trying to fit in or, or conform to, to society. And, um, <clears throat> you know, what, what Jesus says about, about pressure is really, man, it, it is an amazing truth that, that I think speaks to a lot of what we face in life. Like this idea that, that, that life is just, can be so heavy. And let me tell you why I think this is such an important truth for us, an important time for us to talk about this. The CDC put out a report the other day that said, over the course of a six-month time period, from August 2020 to February 2021, that just in those six months, that the, the rate of adults dealing with anxiety and depression grew by over 5%. So for the first time in our nation, over 40% of adults, over 40% of adults, are facing or dealing with the symptoms of anxiety and depression on a weekly basis. And it's been well documented, we've talked about it plenty of times, that the, those numbers only increase as we look at younger generations and younger generations. And what that, what that tells us, what that's teaching us, is man, that as, as a people, as a whole, we are struggling under the weight and the pressure of life like never before. But there's hope. There's hope and there's help. And that's the heartbeat of this whole series, right? Jesus said to, to come to me. He said, hey, if you're, if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're tired, come and follow me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what he's saying is, man, if you are struggling under the weight, under the pressure of life, if you are tired, if you're exhausted, if you're just constantly stressed, he said, come on, come and follow me because with me, man, life Life can be light. And you know, like, we, <clears throat> the, the truth is that, that while we can't avoid the hard things in life, I mean, the truth is that life doesn't have to be heavy. And so that's what we're talking about today. And so what I want to do is today I want to talk a little bit about how we can, just a simple way that how you and I can begin to practice the light life of Jesus. There was a study done, actually 70 different studies done, and all the, the data and all the results from these 70 different studies were brought together, and, and the researchers came up with one conclusion. Through all of these studies, they concluded one thing, that there is a significant link between a higher sense of gratitude and a lower sense of depression. And that makes sense if you kind of think about that, that somebody who doesn't struggle with anxiety or depression, that that person then might have a different outlook on life and, and look at things more well, through, through a more positive lens and, and be able to see things that they're more thankful or grateful for, right? But it was actually the inverse of that idea that they found to be true. What they found to be true was that an intentional act of gratitude actually serves to lessen the effects of depression. One study went so far as to say that a single act of intentional gratitude, and that word's important, intentional, because it's a choice, and we'll talk about that, that an intentional, one intentional act of gratitude actually showed a 10% increase rise in reported happiness and a 35% decrease in reported depression. 
Now listen, don't, don't hear me say something I'm not saying here, okay? Because I'm not saying that there's, there's not a place for things like therapy or counseling or medication, because there is. There certainly is a place for that. But what I want you to see, what I want you to hear today is that the act of gratefulness, of gratitude, can actually serve to be a release valve to the, the pressure cooker that so many of us experience in life. But listen, this is not new news, right? I mean, this isn't some new finding, some new discovery, because this is what God has been telling us from the very beginning in his word, right? That, that gratitude leads to peace. Here's how the Apostle Paul worded. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he said, hey, don't be anxious about anything, okay? Don't be stressed. Don't worry about it. And then you're like, okay, that sounds great, but really? And Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, but instead with prayer and, and supplication in all things, in all circumstances, in all situations, bring your request to God with a heart of thanksgiving. And when we approach God with a heart of thanksgiving, with a grateful heart, Paul says that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, stands guard over our heart. And so God has been telling us since the very beginning that, man, if we want to experience peace in the midst of pressure, it starts with gratitude, with thanksgiving. That gratitude has always been the gateway to peace in the midst of our most pressure-filled seasons and experiences. And so if, if everybody agrees, and that's, that's kind of the point, is that everybody seems to agree that, hey, you know what, gratitude is good for you. If everybody agrees on that, then why, why are we not more of a grateful people? You're like, I mean, come on, man, it's Thanksgiving. Of course we're grateful. Yeah, like I know. I know, I know we're going to say some things we're thankful for this week. We're going to share, you know, 21 days of things we're thankful for on social media. Like I understand that. But, but in the normal everyday life, I mean, like let's just think about this. It's Thanksgiving week. We should be grateful. Roll up to Walmart on Tuesday after work. Tell me you're going to be grateful. Tell me you're going to walk through there and like, man, you know what? Hey, I'm so thankful that you blocked the aisle. Really helped me out today. Good job. Like, that's not how we approach things, right? Like, that's not, that's not our demeanor. That's not our posture. One of the reasons we struggle with this is it's just not the natural posture that, that our culture has kind of cultivated in us. And, and what I mean by that is, like, in the Western world, and I mean, even America specifically, right? Like, we're built on the American dream. If you want more, strap up your boots, go get it. You can get more, right? And, and that's not a terrible thing, but, but what's happened is we, we've grown to, to, to look at and to believe believe that the good life, the better life, is just one more thing away, right? It's just one more raise. It's just one more promotion. Then we'll be happy. Then we'll be thankful. It's just one more car. It's just a little bit bigger house. Then we'll be thankful. Then, then we'll have all we want. And it becomes impossible to be thankful for what we have in life and what we're experiencing in life when we're constantly looking at the thing we're going to get next. This is what the biblical writers talk about when they're talking about the idea of contentment. Because contentment isn't, it's not just being thankful or it's not, it's not just being satisfied with what you have. It's not just being okay with what you have. It's being thankful. It's being grateful. Contentment is being grateful for what you have and what you've experienced in life. Another reason we struggle with this, and this, this might weird some of you out, honestly, but, but it's what Scripture talks about is spiritual warfare. And this theme is all throughout Scripture that we as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are at war. And the war we're in is not against flesh and blood. The battleground for this war is not a field somewhere on foreign land, and it's not fought with military weapons. No, no, no. The battleground of this war is your heart. It's your mind. 
It's your thoughts. And the weapon of choice of our enemy is lies. That's why scripture calls him the father of lies. And he has trapped us through lies. He has trapped us in this pursuit of more, constantly telling you and convincing you that you're not good enough, that you don't have enough, that the better life is is within grasp. It's just a little bit more. And we're constantly chasing after something else. And so the way that we fight against that war is through thankfulness. The way we fight against that war is through gratitude. But it requires that. It requires a fight, an action, a choice. And I do believe it's a choice. I believe that a heart, a posture of thankfulness, of gratitude begins with a choice. Now, that's not to say that that we're just going to wake up one day and we're going to choose, okay, you know what, today I'm going to be thankful. You know what? My whole life is different now. I'm going to be defined by gratitude. And all of a sudden, we get to walk through Walmart as happy and as thankful as we can be. Like, that's not how it works. But I do believe that a thousand little choices, little choices made every single day to approach a situation, to approach a circumstance, to approach a conversation or a relationship, and say, you know what? I'm going to choose to be grateful for what I've experienced. I'm going to choose to be grateful for who I'm going to choose to be grateful that I've experienced this or that in life. If those little choices, those simple things, those begin to develop a character within us, a character of gratefulness, a character of thankfulness that we find growing over time. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about how we begin to make that choice. Just some simple things that we can do to begin to gain gratitude in the situations and the circumstances that we find ourselves in life. So Ephesians chapter 1. So we're going to look at today, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So Paul is introducing himself. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. Verse 2, he says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now let me pause right here and give you a little bit of context so, so I can explain why this verse, verse three, we're gonna come back to it, why this verse kind of stands as like an exclamation point right at the very beginning of this letter. The, the letter to the church in Ephesus here is one of the four letters in the New Testament we, we typically refer to as the prison letters. And we call it that because Paul was in prison as he wrote these letters. If you go back and read Acts chapter 21 through 28, the writer of Acts, Luke, he tells us about Paul's journey from being arrested in Jerusalem to stand in trial before Caesar himself in Rome, which, by the way, a little side note, is a thing Paul had been praying for. Paul had been praying that he would be able to go to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome to see the believers, to see the church, to be able to preach the gospel to the unchurched. Paul desired that. Now, he didn't know he was going to go as a prisoner. He didn't know that was God's route for him, but he had been praying to go to Rome, and God sent him. And some of you have experienced this. Some of you know this firsthand, that that just because God isn't doing something the way that you thought, the way that you would hope, doesn't mean God's not doing it, right? Just because God's not answering your prayer in the way that you thought it would, doesn't mean he's not answering. That oftentimes what we experience in life we think might be an obstruction is in reality an opportunity to be used by God. We've been praying that God would fulfill our purpose or God would give us a purpose. God would show us what our purpose is. And then all of a sudden in the past year, we've lost our job, an obstruction, a roadblock. But what if that's actually an answer to prayer and God is using it as an opportunity to point you to a brand new purpose, a purpose that he's had for you all along? That's what Paul is dealing with here. That's what Paul is facing. But I want you to see not, not the circumstances necessarily. I want you to see the words that Paul has here. Because at the point that Paul writes these words, he is in prison, okay? 
And this isn't just like, hey, I'm hanging out, waiting for my court date. No, he has been beaten. He has been flogged. He has, he's, he's escaped assassination attempts. He's even, he's even survived a shipwreck at this point. And at the point that he writes these words, he is on house arrest, which, by the way, is a little bit different than an ankle monitor. He is literally chained to a Roman soldier. He is chained to a man who is trained to hate him and kill him if he must. Stripped of freedom, stripped of dignity, stripped of any choice. And it's in that circumstance, weighed down by the chains, the literal chains of oppression, that he writes these words. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. I'm blessed, Paul says. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You see, Paul knows, Paul knows that for believers, for those who are following Jesus, that our blessings are not bound by our circumstances. I need you to understand that. That if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a child of God, your blessings, the ways in which you are blessed, they literally, your blessings cannot be bound by your circumstances. Your blessings cannot be chained to any physical circumstance. Notice that Paul doesn't talk anything about his physical situation. Paul's not talking anything about what is physically happening to him. This is not some like, you know, silver lining theology, positive thinking psychology where we just got to grit our teeth and we got to look at our circumstances and we got to find the good. That's not what's going on here. Right, like Paul is not sitting here in chains talking about, man, you know what, this really isn't fun being chained to this dude, but at least I got a friend now, at least he's talking to me. Like, that's not what's going on here. This isn't about, okay, well, let's just find the good. And listen, please, please understand my heart in this. Like, can God work good? Does God work good? Absolutely. Man, God can take any situation and work for his glory and our good. Yes, absolutely. But it, it matters what we determine is good. And that's what's going on with Paul here. Paul's not choosing to look at his circumstances differently. He's looking at a totally different set of circumstances. He says, man, I am blessed spiritually. Our blessings reside in the heavenly places. And it's important that he uses that word spiritually there because it matters. It matters what we call a blessing. It matters what we bind our blessings to. Man, I got a new job. Raise, I'm blessed but are you? Like, is it really a blessing that you're spending less time with your family right now? Is that a blessing? New girlfriend, hashtag blessed. But really? Like, like is it really a blessing that you're, you're less of the person God's called you to be when you're around them? Like, I don't think that's a blessing. And that's what's going on. Paul, Paul says, listen, this isn't, about my, this isn't about what's happening to me physically because God has blessed me far beyond this physical realm, this physical circumstances. And that's what I want you to see about gratitude and finding gratitude and choosing gratitude. Gratitude is not about how you view your circumstances. It's about what circumstances you choose to view. It's about what you set your eyes on. And so we gain, this is, a, this is the first big point for you. We gain gratitude then through focus, through what we choose to focus on and set our eyes on. We gain gratitude by choosing to focus less on the things we cannot control and more on the one who is in control. Focus less on the circumstances, the physical circumstances that are beyond our control and more on the truth of who God is and the truth of who we are in God. Now I want you to hang on to that idea, Okay. Hang on to it. 
because we're going to celebrate it in a minute. We're going to come back around to it, okay? That's actually where I want to end our time together. But I want to show you one other thing, okay? I want to show you one other truth. Go down uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Four times in these two short sentences, Paul says, you. I'm thankful for you, your faith, your love, what God is doing in your life. And here's my point in that. We gain gratitude oftentimes through others. This is why we talk so much about community and the power of community and why it's important to have the right people around you. Because the people that you allow to have influence in your life, the people that you allow to speak into your life and set an example for you, those people, that community, is either going to give you reason to be thankful in God or those people in that community is going to reinforce the lies of the enemy that you're not good enough, that you don't have enough, that you're not going to live up. And so when you look at your community, when you look at the people that, that have influence in your life, when you look at the places, the habits that you allow to have influence in your life, when you look at the apps that you allow to have influence in your life, are they giving you reasons to be grateful and thankful? And I'm not talking about, man, I'm thankful. I'm not like that fool. I'm talking about genuinely thankful for what God is doing. You know, there's a principle that I, I believe in. And listen, I didn't come up with this. Um, maybe you've heard it before. But I really do believe in it. There's this principle that says that words create worlds. Words create worlds. That's why, that, that, that's why I believe it's so powerful to go through the mental exercise of naming what you're thankful for and then go through the physical exercise of expressing what you're thankful for, whether that's through writing it down in a journal or singing about it or telling someone. There's something powerful about that. That's what Paul's doing here. He says, man, you know what I'm thankful for? As I'm sitting here in prison, as I'm sitting here in chains, as I'm weighed down by oppression, you know what? I'm thankful for you and I want you to know. There's something powerful when we do that. Because when we go through that practice of naming it and expressing it, we bring these abstract ideas, we bring them into reality, into something tangible, something real we can hold on to. And so when we begin to think about that, and you begin to think about the things that you're thankful for, honestly, you might be a little embarrassed of them. Here's what I mean. Paul's in prison Man, he's not real sure what his life is. He's not real sure if he's going to live. And the thing he comes up with that he's thankful for is his friends. And for a guy who's like weighed down in life, that doesn't feel like a whole lot. I mean, that's where you are. The things that you find that you're thankful for feel like just a tiny little handful compared to the mountain of pressure and oppression that you're facing in life. And it almost seems silly to, to say that you're thankful for this little bitty thing when, when man, all of this over here is weighing down on your life. And can I just challenge you here, man, to own it? Even if it feels like just a little, a little offering, man, own it and take it to God. Pray what you got. Even if it feels like a little, Paul, it, it doesn't feel like a lot, but here, I'm, I'm praying for you. Pray what you got. And man, what you don't have, borrow from someone else. I don't have a whole lot to be thankful for, but I'm thankful for you. There's not a whole lot great going on, but God's doing big things in your life, and I'm thankful for that. Pray it. Pray what you got and borrow what you don't have. I think about the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. 
You know, the story of Jesus is, is on a mountainside and there's thousands of people there. And he, he begins to ask his disciples, hey, how are we going to feed all of these people? And Andrew, one of the disciples, he's like, you know, oh, man, I really don't know. But he goes and he finds this little boy that's got a couple of pieces of fish and a couple of pieces of bread. And he brings them to Jesus. And he literally says, Jesus, I don't know what these are, what this can be for so many people for such a big issue. But here's what I got to offer. And Jesus said, oh, that's more than enough for me. And he takes that tiny little offering and he multiplies it and he uses it to feed thousands of people and take up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. And I believe the same is going to be true for, for what feels like a tiny, insignificant offering of thanksgiving. I believe that if you'll take what you got to God, even if it feels small, if you'll take that offering of thanksgiving to God and give it to him, say, God, this is what I'm thankful for in my life that you're doing, in my friend's life that you're doing. I believe God will multiply that in your heart, in your mind to overwhelm any mountain of pressure that could ever stand before you. So if you got it, pray it. Pray what you got. And what you can't find, borrow from someone else. Now let me give you one other thought here, okay? Let's go back to our idea of choosing to view a different set of circumstances. What we choose to focus on, that's where we find gratitude. Go back to um, where we left off, verse 17, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Paul says, I'm praying for you, my friends, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know. Now, let me say this real quick. Faith and knowledge are not opposites. I think a lot of times we tend to think that, that faith and knowledge are opposites. And we use that, I think sometimes we use that almost as an excuse to kind of bury our head in the sand and not do the hard work of learning and growing in our knowledge. And we'll quote things like, you know, faith is believing in the things that are unseen. And that's true. That is faith. That's what scripture tells us, belief in the things that are unseen. But that belief is rooted in the reality of experience. That belief is rooted in the reality of who God is and what God says is true of us. That's where that belief, that's where that faith comes from and the knowledge of God, the truth of God that he's given us to be able to know and understand. And so we gain gratitude then through knowledge. We gain gratitude through understanding and knowing who God is and knowing what he says is true of you and true of me. We gain gratitude in that. So here's where I want to end, okay? Because Paul's going to spend the next couple of verses here, the next couple of lines, and he's just going to speak a little bit of blessing over the, the believers here in Ephesus, over his friends. He said, man, I'm praying that you're going to grow in your knowledge and your wisdom and your understanding of this truth of God. And this is a conviction I share, that you, that me, that we, that we will grow in our understanding and our knowledge and the truth of God and the truth of what he says about you. And so I want to read through this for just a minute. I want to pull out some of these truths. And man, I just, I want to speak them over your life today. And my hope and my prayer is that you hear this as a blessing spoken over you. And my hope and my prayer is that you'll let this truth, the knowledge of who God is and what he says is true of you, that you'll let this penetrate deep into the prisons that you found yourself in, the chains of oppression that you've been carrying, the weight, the pressure that you are caving under, that you'll let this drive deep into you and experience the freedom and the light life. Jesus has called us to. This is what Paul says, verse 18, I'm praying that you may know, you have your hearts enlightened, what is the hope to which he has called you. So I need you to know that God is the giver of hope. And he is a source of hope in the darkest of days. 
in the heaviest of chains, in the smallest of prisons. God has hope. Hope for a better day. Hope for a better eternity. Hope for a day where there's, there's no more sorrow, there's no more grief, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, there's no more cancer, there's no more heartache, there's no more death. Hope. Hope for something better. Hope for something beyond this place. Hope for something beyond the physical circumstances we found ourselves in. There's hope. Last line of verse 18, he says, Man, I'm praying that you will know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. You know who gives a glorious inheritance? The good father. That's who God is for you. The good father. And listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. You might have had some terrible examples of fatherhood in your life. And listen, I understand. I promise I do. I'm right there with you. I get it. But God says, listen, no matter who you think has abandoned you, no matter who you think has left you, I'm not. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. You're not, you're not going to be an orphan because I've bought you with a price because you are priceless to me. I love you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to send my spirit to dwell with you so that you know you're never alone, that I'm always with you. If you're on the mountaintop, man, I'm right there with you. If you're in the valley, I'm right there with you. Under the mountain of pressure, hey, I'm right there with you. You're not alone in it. As a good father, I've got good gifts for you because you're my child and I love you. Verse 19, Paul says, I'm praying that you'll know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. The immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe. That's salvation. That he is a savior to the world. Listen to me. I don't care how broken, jacked up, messed up you think you are. I don't care what choices you've made. I don't care what life, what story you've lived. I don't care what you've done this morning. What I know to be true is that his power and greatness is immeasurable. What I know to be true is that you cannot out the grace of God. And God said, whatever you've done, whatever choices you've made, I died on the cross for. I took it for you. I took that sin. I took that brokenness so that you can have life, eternal life, full life, eternal rescue. That's the hope and the promise of God. And that's what he offers you. That's what he's calling you into today. A light life because there's eternal hope. There's a hope that you get to live for and live with. One more truth. Verse 21 Paul says, I'm praying that you will know that Christ, your Savior, that he is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Scripture calls Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who you serve. That's who you follow. That's who said, I love you and I'll do anything, even take death for you. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no rule, there is no government, there is no power, there is no authority that stands above him. And that's who calls you into life. The one who stands above it all. So no matter whatever weight, no matter whatever pressure, no matter whatever pain you might be struggling with today, God says, no, I stand above it all in your mind. That's the victory you live with. 
That's the power you live with. Not what you can do on your own, but who I am and what I've done for you and I'm calling you into life with me. And so here's the reality. The reality for all of us is, listen, we, oftentimes we cannot change what we're facing in life. Paul had no power over the chains he was in. We cannot change what we're facing in life, but we can. We can change which way we face. And so my hope and my prayer is that we'll be able to set our eyes on a good God, a good Father that loves us, that's called us into life, light life, full life. And man, we'll find that freedom in Him regardless of what happens to us here, regardless of what happens to us physically. There's a God who says, I've set you free. And I've got hope for you today and tomorrow. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come before you, God, I thank you. And honestly, God, I don't know what else to say other than thank you. Because the salvation, the rescue that you offer, that you freely give, God, I can't earn it. God, I certainly don't deserve it. But in your goodness, you pour it out. And so, God, we give you praise and we give you thanksgiving for that. God, I pray in this place today that there will be people who grow in their knowledge and their understanding of you and the truth of who you are, the truth of who they are in you, that they will experience freedom, the free life, the light life that you've called us into, free of the, the chains of oppression and weight of pressure. And while we cannot, God, while we cannot escape those difficulties, God, we don't have to struggle in them because you've took that struggle on the cross. God, I just pray that we'll find that freedom today. And we love you. And we give you praise. Things we ask in your name. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out venturechurch.org.